what works and what doesn't. Understanding what works. What works for me. Understanding your own business to know what works. What works for you. This is What Works. I need time to focus. I'd say it's actually one of my most basic needs in terms of quality of life. Food, shelter, focus. I'm easily overwhelmed by what seem to be conflicting needs or priorities. To be happy, I absolutely cannot do two things at once, let alone several. That means no interruptions, no responding to others' needs, no reacting to the unexpected. Last year, I did something that felt, at least to me, pretty radical to increase my focus time. I closed the permanently open Gmail tab on my browser. I didn't check my email until noon, and then only once or twice per day. I know, I know, this should not be news. Productivity experts have been exhorting that very action for more than a decade. But I was already a productive, focused person, so I figured it couldn't be doing much harm to have that little tab open in the left corner of the window. I realized just how wrong I was, though, within a day or two. I wasn't just getting more work done. I was getting noticeably better work done. And my brain felt just a bit more at peace. I had some focus back. Every morning had at least a couple of hours of quality time. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that explores navigating the 21st century economy with your humanity intact. Today, we're continuing our series on time and money and exploring how we measure quality time and the role it plays in the sustainability of our work. I don't like the word productivity. Let's start there because I come from a place where I tried to make everything super productive and it burned me the hell out. That's Elizabeth Jackson. Elizabeth caught my eye on Instagram because her bio included the phrase where humanness meets business ops. Elizabeth is a coach for creatives, other coaches, and service providers who focuses on helping business owners run a business without it running them. A lot of business messaging out there in the space, especially the online interwebs, is very focused on uh, machine-like productivity. And we forget a lot that we are human beings. And when I think of humanness in business operations, I'm thinking of holistic support. I'm thinking of the different realities and identities and environments and priorities that are impacting us and what we bring into our businesses and is going to affect the way that we run our business, let alone work inside of it. Now, productivity is sort of a catch-all term for how much value we can create in a certain amount of time. Productivity can be measured in all sorts of ways. How many words I write in an afternoon, how many podcasts we can produce in a month, how many clients one could see in a day. The 21st century economy, and most of the 20th century too, loves to measure things. By measuring output, we can manage performance and optimize that output. We have Frederick Winslow Taylor to thank for that. Taylor worked his way up from a machinist on the shop floor to foreman to chief engineer of a steel company. Along the way, he recognized that workers weren't working quite as diligently as he thought they should be. 
they could do more, and Taylor wanted to prove it. So he started measuring. How about you want us to work harder, pay us more? I can't. This point system is really insulting. Ooh, well, I didn't mean to offend you, and I hope you'll forgive me because I am very, very sorry. From there, he analyzed his findings and devised new workflows that would increase output. And thus, modern management theory was born. Like it so often does, modern society became obsessed. It became obsessed with measurement. You might have heard horror stories about how Amazon warehouse workers are tracked and timed for every action, including going to the bathroom. Or maybe you worked a retail or service job where a mystery shopper was paid to measure the quality of your service. Or maybe you obsess over likes, shares, and page views trying to get a feel for how you're doing and how you might do better. Productivity is such a totalizing force in our lives because it's a way to measure economic output for both organizations and individuals. It gives us a way to know ourselves via a single ratio of time to value. And remember, time is money. Now, productivity doesn't have to be a bad word, but if our productivity becomes correlated to our self-worth, well, we've got problems. In her book, Lost in Work, Amelia Horgan says that constantly measuring ourselves against ever-increasing standards is a real source of pain and frustration. It feels like we always could be, should be doing more. In order to compete in the market, it seems we have to do more. Unfortunately, with so much of our world valued in the marketplace, productivity becomes an inevitable stand-in for self-worth. And no amount of helpful tips or positive affirmations can shake that without, as Horgan puts it, building durable and shared sites of worth outside of market relations. Barring that, Horgan says, we end up with the jobification of life. Which brings me back to Elizabeth's story. Now, I know that we all have a tendency to say, well, that's easy for you when it comes to talking with someone who has a high degree of skill in a field where so many people struggle, you know, like business operations and time management. But there was a time not so long ago when Elizabeth was living the epitome of a jobified life. I knew that I was going a little out of my depth when probably my first year of business when I was by all accounts living the entrepreneurial Instagrammable dream and I was like oh like I'm killing it but I was recognizing that my relationships were suffering because I didn't have time for them I was always on the phone I didn't really have time to talk to my normal friends because I'm like hello I got to be talking to clients I wasn't taking breaks I remember my mentors at that time constantly saying hey you're hitting plateaus, which was happening constantly because you're not taking a break. And I couldn't fathom how me taking a break was supposed to help me keep going, which I laugh at now because I tell all my clients now, take a break. This was really the the breaking point where I was on vacation, my first uh, out of country vacation in Thailand. And the whole time I spent indoors working on client work. My boyfriend at the time, now husband, was the one dragging me out for us to do things. And I would get so mad because I was like, I have things to do. And it was at that point I was like, mm, something, 
Something isn't right. And so there's going to be those symptoms when we start recognizing that business slowly starts to become your only identity or you think it's supposed to be. And you feel like every single moment needs to be productive because if you're not using that time productively, then you're losing steam. If every single waking moment needs to be focused on business. If that's the way that you need to run your business in order for it to run, it's not going to be sustainable. And those are a couple symptoms that you can be paying attention to and notice um, when it's starting to enroach on your personal life and the way that you would typically think about things. It's trying to force you to speed things up or to disregard personal priorities, etc., in order to make a profit. Even when you know better. A more is more approach to our time and tasks can be hard to resist. As I discussed in episode 373, all of those efficiencies we pick up thanks to tools and technology can easily turn into new compulsory expectations for what we accomplish. And often, we don't stop to consider whether those new expectations are really serving us or our goals. We don't stop to consider whether those expectations are respectful of our varied identities and experiences. Elizabeth told me about the friction we can cause when we don't take that all into account when it comes to the way we spend our time. It was such an interesting experience, to be honest, Uh, because I come from a very eclectic background, I should start out. Like I was a beauty queen. I was a fitness influencer. I was a bodybuilder. I was a reality TV show person or a better game show person, probably better to say. So I already had these different identities that lived in me. Um, And then that's just things that I did. That's not including that I'm a black woman. Um, I'm in an interracial relationship, all these different things that um, make up who I am. And all those things seemed to fade away when I was super focused on business. And I would um, pigeonhole myself and I'd get so frustrated because I couldn't understand why I wasn't making progress as well as I was seeing everybody else in the industry. And when I had that point specifically on that vacation of this isn't right, this should not be how my vacation is going and came back home and was thinking through it, I was realizing it was because I was denying myself these other identities that was then kind of making me blend in with everybody else. And it was making me try to like Frankenstein how I was doing business. So it wasn't even helping me in business anyway, even though that's what I was focusing on. So a lot of the time I took was about reinvesting into those things that made me me. Like I'm back on a pageant board to help other ladies the way that I felt pageants helped me, which was super fun. And it's also really interesting when um, you take You personally take time out of your work day to invest back into programs that really help support you. And at the beginning, I was like, I don't have time for this. Like, I have to do business and client work. And now, like, it's one of the best times of my week where I get to be like, okay, yeah, like, it's the middle of the work day. My clients know you cannot talk to me during this time. I'm focusing on pageant stuff and getting back into fitness competitions, which is happening, like, later, later, (laughs) not right now, but uh, I'm focusing to get back into it because my health really lapsed when I was focused on business because I was like, I don't have time to do exercise. I don't have time to meal prep. I have to focus on business. And so really reclaiming that back, recognizing I can be these other things at the same time as being a business owner and that it's okay to focus my time and invest my time into things that aren't specifically business. And that in turn made me a better business owner. There's a um, a tagline, if you will, that I really like to 
live by with my business. And it's that freedom isn't something that you chase. It's something you build in. Uh, And I've really Mm -hmm. taken that to heart when it comes to my rest. And a lot of the times when clients are coming to me is that they, the way that they work and the way that they think and the way that they make decisions weren't really considered when they got their business strategies, when they got the tips that they had on how to do business operations, how to run their business. And so I like to take those things into account because we all have unique and individual experiences. And those are things that need to be considered because they will determine how we're going to be able to run our business long term. Of course, many of us suppress our needs out of good intentions. We don't want to let anyone down. We want to meet the expectations others have of us. We want our clients and customers to feel fully supported and appreciated. But what I've found over the years is that that always available over-delivering as my superpower energy is really more about compensating for a fear of not being good enough. We're not just optimizing for maximum output. We're optimizing for maximum likability, wow factor, brownie points. Most customers have lower expectations than we expect them to. More than anything, customers and clients want to know we have a plan. They just want to know how things are going to go down. Now, Elizabeth moved from Seattle to Australia and worried that either her clients would be upset that she wasn't working at the same time they were or that she'd end up working through the night so that she was. But instead, the move to Australia taught her some valuable lessons about quality time. My clients weren't impacted when I changed time zones so drastically. They were just wanting to make sure they got the right results and they could communicate with me. It really came down to the client experience and it made me realize, oh, I'm spending all this time thinking I have to respond to them immediately. Or as soon as they have a question, I need to make sure that I'm there immediately so that you know customer service and making sure they feel taken care of. When in reality, what they're wanting from me is my best and my best isn't always on their time. Literally, <laughs> like it's not. <laughs> uh, and being able to recognize like now, oh my gosh, like Tara, I used to wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> because I knew that was like around the time when they were really at work. So I knew that any questions they had for me were going to be around that time. So I would get up and make sure I was available. Sometimes 3 a.m. I would get up to make sure I was available. And now I get up like at eight. (laughs) I get up at eight most days uh, just because I I need my sleep. I need my routine. Um, I like to work out in the mornings and that's when I know I'm going to be at my best when I show up. And my clients are aware that's when I get up and when they can ask me their questions. And if they ask me a question later, um, they already know with the expectations and policies that we go through that they're going to hear from me at least within 24 hours. And then all of a sudden, all of that worry was gone. So it's not so much about how much time I'm putting in that makes the experience great for my clients or the reason why they work with me or what makes me a productive or successful business owner. It's about the quality of the time that I put in. And if I'm so focused on making sure I'm up at the right time or making sure I'm working long hours so that um, or even longer, sometimes 9 p.m. so that I could catch them in the morning, they're not getting my best. And that's not what they paid me for. So really working from Australia has taught me the quality of my time. And it's made me honestly better as an operations and system strategist because this is like my whole thing. Uh, So I've been able to really restructure my business to be focused on that and supporting me in the time I need so I can be better for my clients. And that wouldn't have happened if I was still in Seattle. And then Elizabeth used the best metaphor 
in the history of podcasting. I used to go to a lot of all-you-can-eat buffets when I was a child, so everything stems from <laughs> to preface this. To preface this. I'm like, like Golden Corral, JJ North, but um, but I always think of how you would always like the goal of it was to try and eat as much food as possible because you paid all you can eat. And I think of that with business where a lot of the times we go through and we're like, okay, well, you know, we paid to play, we're in. Um, now our goal is to just put as much on our plate as possible so that we can say we used our time well. But we know when we get back to the booth, we're not gonna eat all that. Like that's, that's not gonna happen. Um, I used to have a mountain of food when I was 12 and I'm like, oh, I made a mistake. But I feel a lot of business owners do that and they're like, oh, I made a mistake, but I've, I've got to finish everything. And I come into this of like, well, you don't have to eat all of that. You don't even need to put all of that on your plate to still be effective, to still be full, to still get what you want out of this. Um, so when I hear productive versus effective, I just think of me effectively trying to figure out how to get all the food that I want from the all you can eat place without completely stuffing myself and throwing up later because I was too full. It's making sure that we're just being really effective with what we put on our plate and making sure that that actually is what's going to sustain us. That's actually what's going to be what supports us and recognizing that everybody at the booth is going to have different plates and different methods of doing so because everybody has different things that they need. Seriously, you do not have to fit a little bit of everything on your proverbial plate. Pick what you like, what intrigues you, and what makes you feel your best. That's the only way to hopefully avoid the trap of becoming in over your head with the plans you make and the way you run your business. And keep in mind, as Elizabeth said, that we're all going to have a different plate after we go through the buffet. I might go for red meat and leafy greens. You might go for vegetarian casserole and spinach salad. It all comes down to the selections that are more effective and supportive for you and for your business. We need to really focus less on what's going to be the most productive thing and need to focus on what's the most supportive thing, because that naturally is going to lead to a better quality of your business. And I made almost all my clients keep a diary, like a time diary of just similar, like when you're first starting to work out and start a new diet, you keep track of all your foods because you don't realize how much food you're actually eating. Same thing with uh, business and time. You don't realize how much time you're actually spending. You think, oh, I'm spending like maybe five, 10 hours a week. And then they end up spending 40. And they're like, where's the time go? I'm like, exactly. Where does it go? Being able to express like when to know almost immediately after the time diary, even before we get there, I'm at that point where a new client will be like, well, I'm just so tired and I'm so stressed and I'm so burnt out. I'm like, it's probably because you're spending a shit ton of time in your business and you don't even realize it. And they're like, well, no. And we do the time diary and they're like, oh shit. Like there's actually so much time I'm spending like on Canva graphics and all this stuff. And I'm like, why the hell are you spending all this time here when we can make templates? And it's, it's just started a whole different perspective shift of um, how are you spending your time and where are you spending your time? Yes, but also going into a deeper layer of things of like, you've told me that you have this trauma where you need a longer launch cycle, or you've told me that you need more personal connection because you've been hurt in the past before, or you have a, I have a client who had, or used to have a client who had a, um, uh, she had a physical type of disability where she needed a lot of rest. She needed a lot of, mm -hmm. lot of rest. Um, so she couldn't spend a lot of time in her business, but she was so stressed because everything she was seeing was telling her she needed at least 20 hours in her business. And she didn't know how to reconcile that. So she was forcing herself, literally putting herself in the hospital because she was told she needs to do this. And I'm like, those are things we need to talk about 
to make sure that your business is supporting you. I don't care about productivity. That's going to come when you feel good. So we need to make sure it supports you. And that's just, um, those are just like tiny little revelations that I had when I recognized how much better I felt because my business felt so much more supportive to me because it was actually taking into account that I needed time to sleep and rest. Um, and just that just started to roll the whole entire ripple effect of what do you need as opposed to well, what's the most productive thing that we can do? How much can we squeeze out of you to make sure that you're getting ahead? This has come up over and over again for me in the last 18 months or so. People want to know how they can fit it all in, the marketing, the content, the products, the services, but they've rarely paused to consider whether the things they're trying to fit into the limited time they have are going to be effective or supportive. They're measuring the value of their time in terms of productivity rather than quality. I've talked more people out of plans and ideas in the last year than I can count, and I've convinced a bunch of folks to stop doing something for their business they thought was essential, but wasn't actually producing results or satisfaction. It's not like I always get this right for myself either. I'm prone to overcommitting and under-resourcing myself too. I work fast and it feels like I can always fit one more thing in. So every time I have one of those conversations, it's a good reminder to me as well. Slow down, pay attention to what you're working toward and strip away anything that's not helping you get there. I need to remind myself to measure in quality time rather than quantity time too. Now, I know that's easier said than done. So Elizabeth suggests keeping a time diary. We have that exercise where uh, we are recording what's happening with your time, your time diary, if you will. And this is something that you can do with or without me. I think it's just really healthy to do once a quarter. I do it once a month personally, uh, just to see what I'm doing. Because even I, like even me who like talks about this, I'll catch myself uh, spending just a little bit too much time on that Canva graphic because I really wanted it to be perfect. And I'm like, you didn't need to do all that. You didn't have to be that extra. But um, having a time diary, really looking at where you uh, are using your time. I also really like to look at goals because we can have the goal of hitting a certain monetary mark. That's fine. But I also want to look at what was the goal of this business? What were you creating this business to be a tool or vehicle towards? What was that? Because usually it has something to do with freedom. And I'm like, what does that freedom look like? And somehow you're not achieving it. Even if you're hitting your financial goals or not, I want to know what those goals are. Because then I can use that to reverse engineer what is happening currently in your business that's not serving you to get there. Um, and then the third thing I look at is what you need support in. It's different from goals because, like I said previously, it's like, okay, we have traumas that we need to be aware of. We have um, different lived experiences that we need to be aware of. We need to be making sure that your capacity limits are being taken into account because more than likely you're overstretching them or you're bypassing them in order to reach mm -hmm. a financial goal. And that's not how this works if you want to be sustainable. So I'm asking also about like, okay, where do you feel the most stretched? Where are you feeling the most overwhelmed? And it's nine times out of 10 with something that either they didn't feel comfortable about, but they were told they need to do it. Or sometimes a new software that everybody else was getting. So they're like, we need to get it. And they don't have time nor really actually need that type of software. So we're looking through and we're parsing through, okay, what do you actually need? And what was something that you saw was popular and you had FOMO and you got it? 
And then going through priorities. That's another thing. It's like, what is actually priority for you to do and what is priority for your business to do? I am a huge, have, have big feelings when people say business is their baby because I'm like, no, it's not. It's a vehicle and it's a tool to your goals. It's not a baby. It can work by itself. Please don't say that because then you're going to feel like... <laughs> Because then you're going to feel like you have to be there every single moment, like monitoring every single task that's happening. And that's taking a lot of your time. So we really look at and work on what are your priorities and what can we let go of? Because your business can take care of it because you built it to be that way. And if not, I help with that too. But those are the biggest things that I'm looking at when we first get started before we even look at systems or designing any type of workflows or anything like that. I want to know the parameters of what we're working in so that we can design the right operations that's going to, yes, hit financial goals. That's that's something we want to make sure that we're doing, but also making sure that you're being supported so that it's something you can sustain long-term. Your time diary becomes an artifact you can study. What story is that artifact telling? What can you learn about the person who's spending time that way? What can you learn about the work being done or the effectiveness of the business? Does that story actually match your goals, your values, your strategy, or guiding principles? If it doesn't, you are so not alone. As you start to consider how you might spend your time differently, I think it's essential to make sure you know how you're measuring the effectiveness of your time, which leads me to the central question of this series. Is time money? So money can't really be the only measurement of time effectiveness. Like when I hear time mm. equals money or time is money, I think, oh, well, money is is your measurement, like of how effective your time is. But just for some people, that's just not the case. So um, when I think of time effectiveness, to me, when I, when I say it, I'm thinking effectiveness of time that doesn't have a price tag to it. Because when I hear productivity, I think it has a price tag to it and I don't like it. So when I think of time effectiveness, I'm thinking in the broad scheme of things. So I'm thinking of, okay, how effective are you being in your rest? Because that, that's time still. But how effective are you being in it? Are you actually having rest or are you sneaking glances at your email? Well, that's not effective. That's not time effectiveness to me. When you're on, again, vacation, are you actually on vacation or are you spending time on your laptop answering, like working on client work because you think, oh, I've got time now to work on client work. That's not time effectiveness. I'm thinking about how can you be effective in your time with the goal that you have for that time. One thing I took away from my conversation with Elizabeth is that quality time can be a tool for creating money, but the time itself shouldn't be all about making money. It seems to me that a well-run business is one where you measure your quality time, your time effectiveness over multiple dimensions. New customers, new clients, bigger revenue numbers. Yeah, that should be an eventual result of time spent, of course. But if we only ever measure our time by how much money it's generated or how many likes we produced, we're probably missing out on quality of life. Find out more about Elizabeth Jackson at theafrocoach.com. Next week, I'm going to explore what happens when the way we spend our time turns into a financial calculation. I'll share why I see the future that Web3 and crypto innovation promises is a dystopian one and ask some big questions about what might be possible instead. Whether you're interested in crypto or not, this episode is gonna help you see your own business and how you spend your time in a new light. 
If this episode got you thinking differently, I would so appreciate if you shared it with a friend. The more people we can get to think differently about entrepreneurship or even being an entrepreneur at heart, the more we can instigate change in the systems that just aren't working. So thank you in advance. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. Our production assistant is Emily Kilduff. This episode was edited by me, Tara McMullen, and Marty Seafelt. Our executive producer is Sean McMullen. 